listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, Sarah Ashley, Sean Moriarty, and Roxy Noberry. You know what else is horrible about the summer besides it being hot and there being no relief from mm. this heat? What? Boob sweat. Oh, God's the worst. Oh, it's yeah. so fucking horrible. Yeah, we both know. Brian and I know. Uh, Feel the pain. We I got feel the like you guys can situation. really commiserate with me. Yeah. Though, we don't have to worry about bras, so there's less of it. But if it's a hot enough but day. But at the same time. It, it at the same time, our boobs are hairy, so we're wearing organic bras sort of around them. You ever been, sweat as much. You ever been charred by an underwire, Brian? Oh. You ever been charred by an underwire? Charred? You ever been stung by the... Un- Sting of an underwire just poking you, out. Did you just poking say? You? Did you just say charred? As in, I mean, like it's metal and it can poke out of your bra. I understand that, but charred implies that it got so hot skewered. that it like scorched your skin. I mean, She's we... mixing up her barbecue terminology. She means skewered, not charred. No, I swear to God. Sometimes the bark, the metal can get so hot that it'll like it'll it'll leave well, a mark. And, and that, don't stand that close you. to the fucking microwave, Roxy. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, though, when it is poking out, it is extremely unfortunate. It's so unfortunate, it re- especially like when it's midday. You're really far from home, and your underwear is poking your sides, yeah. and you're just like, now, but now what do I so do? it's so hot, it'll that burn you like... too. That's what I mean when I say charred. It can poke and burn. You have been listening to Bra Talk, ladies and gentlemen. Tune in for our next episode, Ball Bickering. No, and then the, after, the one after that is Chub Rub. Chub Rub. <laughs> entire chub episode rub. dedicated to Chub Rub. I just rub. have two words for all of us. Baby powder. Let's move on. Nerds on Chub Rub. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I saw like the weirdest commercial before Suicide Squad. Okay, totally. go on. There, it was. It was go like on. it was a Taco Bell commercial. Um, we're not sponsored by Taco Bell, oh. um, even though we, like, we have, should be. We like know, having right? it our way, okay? And uh, that's Burger King. And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Roxy, we love you. But it was like you are our foil. It was like supposed to be at like some like fondue party, but like a modern day fondue party. And this guy's like eating a cheesy burrito, and the host of the party's like attacking him for eating a burrito, right? Oh man, after but my the, own heart. But the the guy, the guy who was hosting the party was totally hipster, like plaid shirt suspenders curly mustache the whole nine yards talking about the types of cheese in the fondue and his name was alan so if you think we should sue taco bell ladies and gentlemen i know like yes yes. (laughs) for likeness rights like that sounds a lot like me and i am a fan of fondue alan i mean are you a secret taco bell connoisseur who's not a fan of taco bell is bullshit but i do like burrito barn because they have all vegan ingredients and the uh, the, the tortillas that are made from tofu and, and also cruelty free fair trade flour which <laughs> costs about $47 an ounce <laughs> Whoa. they're little tiny burritos they're about the size of quarters yeah. yes and they, they also are, are $47 an ounce <laughs> that's so funny damn son that's a hell of a bargain. <laughs> well, he had to sell one of his small price to pay <laughs> so that I can sleep at night on my little ghost pillow. <laughs> Sean, I was going to say, did you have to sell one of your scarves to, oh <laughs> to, to pay for dinner? I would never sell my scarves, Brian. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Just my ghostly body. <laughs> Mama like. Like my mother always said, sell your asshole before you sell accessories. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, as the resident single nerd on the show, I, I'm, I'm tending to, to like the way you swing your bat. I think uh, we, should, we should talk. It's a Louisville slugger, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk. Okay, so anyway, I want to talk about something I saw on the internet. 
today? Porn? Oh, shit. Yeah. Here we come. Porn segment. Was <laughs> was the anus retracting or retaining? No, but it was bleached. Oh! Um, Brian wants to talk about his venture into lemon partying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, in all seriousness, I was watching a mini doc today on uh, Denny Trejo. Oh. It's very fascinating. It turns out at the very end, it was a it was a, a, a video produced by AARP, which I had no idea <laughs> until the very, very end. So, sorry, guys. We're plugging both Taco Bell and AARP. Hopefully, they'll give us money one of these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of 20-somethings. Yeah, but it was exactly. Talking about AARP. It's never too early to start. <laughs> Apparently um, not. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, um, it was just talking about how it's just his background, and I had no idea the life he's, he's led. For those who don't know who Danny Trejo is... Um, why are you listening to our show? Yeah, I mean, hopefully you do, out. but in case you haven't, he was Johnny 23 in Con Air. He was, really? That's what you're leading with? I hang know. On, I'm hang like, on, damn, hang on a second. That. Hang on a second. He was uh, the gadget master for the kids in Spy Kids. He also, of course, was Machete. <laughs> he's machete. Fucking Machete, you dickhole. Why don't you start with the... Because he's a character actor who's worked for like 20 That's fucking like years. Being like, if you guys Spike. haven't heard of Marlon Brando, he had a small role in a movie called The Score. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. Brian, anyway, that was amazing. But anyway, I mean, we're, we're a bunch of film nerds. Come on. You've never heard of Ben Affleck. He was an uncredited basketball player in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> That's actually true. It's true. That is fucking true. But anyway, he's, I mean, of course, he's known for having the. The big tattoo on his chest with the guy in the sombrero. He's so, fucking machete. It's a yeah. girl in a sombrero. So here's the funny thing. So he, well, not funny. It's not funny. It's actually quite sad. He, um, he was a serious drug addict for years, mm. and I think he went to jail for a bit. And when he got out, he decided to become a drug counselor. Oh. Um, and he was so he was going out and he was talking to people, and um, the the movie that he ended up being his first film escapes me. But one of his people he was helping. Yeah. Called him up saying, dude, I'm on this, I'm at, I'm at work right now, and there's just a lot of people who are using, and just I think I'm going to use. And he's like, no, don't you fucking use. I'm going to come there, I'm going to stop you, I'm going to come there and support you. And he had no idea, it was a movie set, he was a movie set mm. that he was going to. And obviously Trejo is in really good shape, the dude's got biceps bigger than my head. Mm. Um, and he was in such good shape that they actually said, the director saw him and said, oh, actually I want you to fight the guy you're helping because mm. the guy he's helping was a character in the movie and that was his first film gig he just literally fell into it and he's been working as a character actor ever since that's fucking cool man yeah um and he's, just, and he's been working ever since and he's like wow. his he says he prays every day oh. to be allowed to, to have god give him the strength to sign every single autograph to say hello to every single person because he says what i do for a living is such a blessing it's such a gift oh. that i can't help but want to make sure i can make everyone's day special because they come to me and they feel connected to me for awesome. what they've seen me do. I'm like, dude, you're scary as fuck, but man, you got a heart of gold. Yeah. Heart of gold. Yeah. Wait, now, did you say AARP was involved because um, Danny Trejo actually is, people don't know this, he's like 83 years old now. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty old. He's in his like, late 60s, early 70s. He's old as God. shit. Yeah. yeah, he's old as shit, but he still looks good. And they're, I hope they're not making Machete 3 because... During Machete 2, they were like, before the movie starts, they're like, stay tuned for after this, Machete 3. And it was Machete in space. And it was like Star Wars. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I was like, that's hilarious. And at the end of the movie, it goes, nah, but for real, we're doing this shit. And <laughs> oh, the no. second one was not. I mean, the first one was tongue in cheek and everything. But I mean, the second one, Machete 2, is like really, really bad. Well, as it is, Machete was a joke because, I mean, it was the best trailer from the Grindhouse mo movies. I mean, yeah. other than. Uh, 
Werewolves of the SS, because let's be honest, that was pretty amazing, good. Pretty damn good. Other than that one, and don't. It's the a, film is called Runaway Train. Thank you, Runaway Run Train. Five. That's right. Yeah, and it had um, eighty five. You said nineteen eighty five. Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah. That was the year so, Brian was born. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. There you go. Yeah. I love the fact That's that the year um, the world started to fall into disarray because of the Antichrist's appearance. Thanks, Reagan. So, um, Dude, Danny Trejo <laughs> is second cousin. No, I meant you. The... But all right, we'll take. Let's. Yeah, that wrinkly dead fuck can take the brunt of it. He's uh, second cousin with Robert Rodriguez. Hmm. Fun story. Yeah. Probably how he got into the Spy Kids. Yeah. And, of yep. course, um, Desperado. Desperado. Yeah. El Mariachi. I don't know how we're going to be able to record a whole episode in here without the air conditioning. It's going to be tough. I it's know. hot in here, guys. Our nerd cave desperately. It's getting hot in here. We're getting some boob sweat rocking on all it's of us like, right now. It's our like ten, on, ten minutes in yeah. and we're already fanning ourselves. So, guys, on that so note. Welcome to Nerds on Film. I am Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm hot as balls. And I am Sean Moriarty, currently cool in the Colorado mountains. Ha! The role of hot as balls will be played by Roxy Noberry tonight. (laughs) 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 It's like, was that in the program? I feel like I was lied to when I bought a ticket. Like when you go to a Broadway show and they're like, sorry, Nathan Lane will be played by this dude from NYU you've never heard of. No, correction, that's my Persian name. All those Iranian Americans, we have two names. That's funny. So your Iranian name actually means hot as balls. That's that's awesome. Exactly, the translation. It's Arabic. It's Arabic for hot as balls. Salam alaikum, motherfuckers. That is fucking amazing um so guys it's been summer as you can tell from our yeah just talking about boob sweat yeah uh and we have we're gonna do something different tonight we're gonna do a summer movie roundup because we got three major brian don't say summer movie roundup i thought about this and it's not really it's really we're talking about the three movies we've missed in the late summer yeah (laughs) so it's a late it's our late august release um but it is but it is um it's our late summer movie wrap-up basically is what it is so we've got Three movies we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about, in chronological order, Ghostbusters, Star Trek Beyond. Actually, I think Star Trek Beyond came out first. Right. We're just This is the order we're going to do it. We're going to do Ghostbusters, Star Trek Beyond, and then we'll end with Suicide Squad. So that is indeed just... the order that they came out in, the order we're doing it in, Brian. Just Fantastic. Just been checking the ticker. <laughs> okay. Um, I was just like, wait, who picked the order? <laughs> it's just easier gonna... that way. Yeah. Uh, so Ghostbusters, guys... Um, Roxy unfortunately cannot partake in this part of the conversation. So we're gonna we're gonna gag her. Um, I'll just be sitting here fanning myself and crying. Yeah, that's, that's a fine. good thing to do. Bye. Um, so obviously this movie had so many, including us. We had some fanboy skepticism about it, but we were never unopened to the idea of doing an all female Ghostbusters. I was super stoked from the get go, as you should be. And I think when you go into that movie and you see little girls wearing jumpsuits and proton packs, you're like, "Fuck yeah, female Ghostbusters!" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is bullshit. Um. But I think loving the movie on the basis of the of the actors and also hating the movie on the basis that it was supposedly raping your childhood, I think both those arguments are a bit uh, extreme. Um, yep. I think just judging it based off of its own entity, it was very, very funny. I think where it missed the mark for me, and it was, and by the way, I'm, I enjoyed the movie. I give it a B. But I think where it missed the mark for me was it was too much of an emphasis on one-upping each other and doing the improvisational gags. Whereas the original movie, the humor came out of the characters and came out of the circumstances more. Um, So because of that, 
I didn't enjoy it, I think, as much as I would enjoy the original Ghostbusters. But I think what they did with it, and they were trying to do their own thing with it, it was definitely, there were some awesome moments. There were some awesome moments where I was so giddy. And, like, I can't believe I'm watching these women kick so much ass. So it was, that was, that was my take on it. Sean? I, being probably the biggest Ghostbusters fan from childhood out of all of us, because I, like, I was, like, balls to the walls Ghostbusters. So I was super totally excited was. for this movie. From the beginning, I had no problem with it being an all-female cast, especially because every single actress in that movie I am a huge fucking fan of. I still, to this day, defend all, all the new Saturday Night Live. I think that Kristen Wiig and fucking especially Kate McKinnon, who's like my favorite female actor, period, right now, and Leslie Jones, and of course, Melissa McCarthy doesn't need, I mean, we don't even need to mention it because she's just awesome in most things if the, if the writing's there. So I was super stoked. I enjoyed the movie a lot. I thought it was really funny. I agree on a certain point with certain things that Brian says, and I don't think that that's necessarily the movie's fault. I think that the writers kind of felt like that is how comedies these days are written. It's the one-upping improvisational gags, and I think that they that they relied too heavily on that because that is what they figured that people wanted in, 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 in the new audiences today. Characters weren't as well-developed as the original movie, although... The characters in the original movie were not as well-developed as everybody keeps calling out to. They have a nostalgic thing for it. I do. I love that movie. But, I mean, honestly, when you watch the original Ghostbusters, it isn't by no means this perfect fucking thing that you need to hold up on a pedestal. So, the comparison there, I feel like, is a little bit bullshit. I like the new technology in it. I liked all the different, uh, like, uh, new weapons that uh, oh my that God. Holtzman had made. The, the, oh, they were so cool. Dude, the, the Holtzman slide, the slow-motion... And she pulls out the two oh, yeah, six-shooter proton just guns. Just ruining ghosts. Oh, oh, my God. That was so good. I was so hard And added when I the perfect that. amount of humor. <laughs> <laughs> she licked the guns. Yeah, exactly. Perfect amount of humor added to it. Exactly. Um, nice. It could have been better, but it could have been way worse. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I would have loved to have seen another one, but apparently, because it lost a bunch of money, they're only going to be pursuing animated efforts for the Ghostbusters as of now. What? Yeah. Which is sad. That's bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the marketing. It, it made money to cover its production costs, but the marketing for the film was too much. Was way too oh, much. Oh, and yeah. Chris fucking Hemsworth, oh. hilarious, <gasps> so funny. Yeah, all right, so funny. Sarah. <laughs> um, I loved this movie. Um, <laughs> I walked out giving it a solid A, and also having you know, obviously being a huge fan of original Ghostbusters, but being a huge fan of of these actresses, just like Sean, I. I did have high hopes, and I did not leave disappointed at all. Um, I thought that they did some really interesting stuff by putting a new spin on certain things. I think the the production of the ghosts themselves and the visuals added yeah. way more style than I think mm -hmm. the original mm -hmm. had the ability to do. Um, but it, I also, I feel like a lot of it hearkened to the um, the Ghostbusters video game. The visuals were fairly similar in a lot oh, of sure. ways. Yeah, very that bright. video game was sick. Yeah, very bright, cool. heavily saturated. Um, and yeah, oh my god, Kate McKinnon is like my goddamn hero yeah. after watching that movie. She's so she just got Holtzman. She's <laughs> so damn funny, and Leslie Jones was great. Oh, she was so great, and Chris Hemsworth was like they were. Everybody in this movie was great, and I didn't. I didn't feel like the jokes were anything other than like what Sean said, humor today. So that didn't nothing yeah, about that's their, fair. Nothing there bothered <clears throat> me, and I felt like the story. I thought there was actually more elements of the story that were lacking um, in the first two movies, the first original Ghostbusters. And it was truly the fact that there was so much just blatant ghost ass kicking mm. in this movie 
that the other ones didn't have. Mm. And so I really appreciated that. Um, And I I don't know. I felt like the characters were developed the exact same way. Some people felt that the cameo appearances from the original Ghostbusters were a little too on the nose. I thought they were great and uh, super satisfying to me. Who who made cameos? Uh, Sigourney Weaver, Bill Murray, um, Ernie Hudson, uh, Dan Aykroyd, and and Annie Potts was in it too. Ernie uh, Hudson's. Ernie Hudson's was the only one that I thought was a little weak. I was like, he shows up like right at the he, end in his character. I get it, but it was, second, like, I was like, ah. The second Leslie Jones said she borrowed the hearse from her uncle, I was like, I looked at Reed and I was like, I bet you that Ernie Hudson's the yeah, uncle. Yeah, totally. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. Uh, what I would say, I mean, even Harold Ramis makes an appearance via bust. And it, actually, if you look closely, this is a film nerd thing. It does say it's Egon Spengler or Spengler's yeah. um, likeness. So here's the thing that's weird. So people were wondering, is this in the same timeline as Ghostbusters? And everyone says, no, it's not. I actually have a theory that says it is because they talk about this has happened before, but people yeah. have a tendency to forget. Yeah, they ever, yeah. And so there's a cab driver who's played by Dan Aykroyd in one scene. And they basically said, look, I don't go to Queens and I afraid no ghosts. And mm-hmm. But he also said, no, this is goes, like a class I don't go to Queens, I don't drive weirdos, and I ain't afraid, afraid of no, no ghosts. ghosts. <laughs> and he said that so confidently, but he also said, it's nothing. And probably a class five phantasm at most. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. That's a total Raymond stance line. Like, yeah. I'm wondering, did all the characters go into like hiding or something because of what happened into That's an interesting after idea. something that happened in Ghostbusters 2? And I'm wondering, are they including Venkman? Is Because Venk, Venkman's, or sorry, not Venkman, Bill Murray's character is this famous uh, ghost like debunker. debunker, debunker, basically. Mm. I'm almost wondering, is that was that Venkman taking yeah. on a new alias to, to find out who are the actual frauds and who are the, the legit people? Yeah. They could totally write that, and I'd be so game for that, but now it's not going to happen. Um, so anyway, I think it could be. Yeah. I actually think I do have one complaint about this movie, though, and that was that the stakes of the conflict, or not the, the conflict, the core conflict itself, but the the um, hurdles that they had to jump through, the stakes there weren't high, weren't as high. Whereas if you look at, say, the originals and, you know, the EPA is like, we are going to shut you down. You are not allowed to do this work anymore. These girls were like given like a slap on the wrist. You know, they say you can keep doing your work, but we're going to deny it. Mm, so they yeah. weren't really stopped. There wasn't as much of a like, I guess, the the challenge to get them from, like, you know, solving the conflict wasn't quite as high. Yeah, um, that's true. And then also there were, I mean, clearly there were some obvious cut scenes from this movie. Yeah. Um, which Including the whole dance party. With the whole dance party thing, which you see alluded to in the credits. And yeah. um, and I'm, I am really excited to get the Blu-ray because I want to see those deleted scenes because yeah. I want to see what they originally longer. shot. Have a girl's it night there. longer. Yeah. Yeah, and but that's when I think that's when you get when, especially because studios, as as we'll talk about uh, in a movie later on in this uh, podcast, how how they can meddle. They when when you see this movie not as as a Ghostbusters movie and you see it as a comedy yeah. only, yeah. You, they generally always want to keep comedies between an hour and a half and an hour and forty minutes. They never want to. And Judd Apatow broke that mold for a while, but this is not a Judd Apatow movie. That's like a comedy drama. This yeah. is a comedy. Sci-fi and action, and I think that they should have. You could have had twenty extra minutes in there, and I was fine because the it moved so fast and the action was so awesome that I didn't even. I felt like I was in the theater for an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, mm. that that movie had me at anti-Irish security fence. Oh, okay. I know, and that's in the or, first like, five <laughs> seconds. But also, I love the line you said. What you said? Um, he was quoted as saying, "You know, God makes no mistakes," but I do believe he was drunk when he invented this person's personality. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yes. 
so funny, Roxy. Yeah. You ha- you really oh, have to see I this can't movie. I it's so good. Seen and it. the opening, I will say, the opening of the film was very strong, very much a callback to the original Ghostbusters. Yes. Um, beautiful. Yeah. So it. Again, it had great moments in it. Yeah, it's a B for me. It's an A for Sean. It's an A, or a minus for Sean. I think it's an A for for Sarah. It's a C I would C say for me. A, between A and A minus. I'm one of those guys, one of those assholes that like goes to a restaurant. and I'm like, I want my steak medium rare to medium, like in between those two. So I'm you're like saying like ninety three percent only because not and only because of the things I said before, where I didn't feel like I knew, like I felt like Leslie Jones's character could have been developed just sure. a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed Kristen Wiig and uh, and uh, Melissa McCarthy. The how they built up their backstory and the amount of time that they had to do it, I thought was great because I felt like I knew them. Yeah. And that yeah. they were friends from a long time ago who were going through this struggle yeah. of like oh, I'm trying to make money off you sort of and like but I'm also doing this other thing and how they ended up being uh, connected. Yeah. I uh, did like that they gave Leslie Jones though a th- a, a role to play. In the team, in that she's yeah. like, she's like, I know New York, and like the the history that she's dropping in that, you're like, yeah. wow, that's like impressive. Yeah, mm. totally. And they didn't do that. They didn't do that with Winston in the original. They kind of yes. he shows up way later in the movie, yeah. yeah, and they don't let him do much. And then they're like, you know what? They, we should. They should probably change that in the second movie. And they did the yeah. same shit in the second movie. Well, mm-hmm. so aside from Leslie Jones's line, I don't know if it was a lady thing or a race thing, but I'm mad as hell. Like funny, funny ass line. Mm, yeah, but. Other than that one line, none of the movie had anything to do with her being black mm-hmm. or any of them being women. Nice. And I think, you know, if you want, you know, there, plop, there's your feminist comedy right there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's absolutely, and it worked. I think it worked. Yep. It did not work as well as some people thought it did, but fuck them. Mm-hmm. So. I liked it. Yeah. I'll give it a C and a B for Chris's butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Posterior, uh, and also, I'm then, there. Yeah. Uh. And there's a great dance scene in the middle of the Oh, don't enjoy. say say no more. Say yeah. no more. Yeah. No, no yeah. More. He's got some, I'm just saying Hemsworth's got some moves. <gasps> Speaking of Hemsworth, he was also in a movie called Star Trek from 2009, who we just saw that we're going to talk about the sequel to right now, Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. Bam. Is Segway. it a sequel or they like They should have changed the sequel. name of Star Trek Beyond to Star Trek Dope as Hell. Yeah, buddy. And I, this one I did or see. Or Star Trek We're Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Roxy, I, I want to get your opinion on Star Trek. Yeah. So I really, really liked it. I thought it was a total, total, like... Uh, one up from the previous one that we had Into to, Darkness. to sit through. Yeah, Into Darkness was really disappointing, but this one definitely it was, was a one up. I think it was a five up. Yeah, <laughs> in that sense, yeah. Um, uh, I still I loved, liked Into Darkness. I, you know what? Into Darkness was just all over the place for me. It was it was too much, and I, I had a hard time focusing on it because there was just too much going on. But this one, I think, had a really good through line, and that had a lot to do with Idris Elba. I thought he was probably the strongest in this whole thing. The crawl character? Yeah, yeah. I, I had so much um, hope and sympathy for him. At yeah. the same time, I was just fascinated by his backstory, you know, yeah. and what happened to that crew, well, right? Yeah, as somebody who, you know, yeah. clearly has studied a little bit of psychology, I can understand why that was yeah. interesting well, to you. Fuck yeah, girl! I, I actually just think, it, you know, the, one of the best things I heard about the reviews was that it felt like just a, lo- a longer episode of Star Trek. Yeah, and it was really nostalgic, and there was a lot of cool throwbacks to the original cast and things like that, and especially oh, sure. with the timing of the release of this film. Oh, yeah. With not just Leonard Nimoy, but Anton, Anton Yelchin. I totally, yeah. yeah. Um, the, how they really paid tribute to them, I thought was really well done and very tastefully done and, and very sentimental. And that I mean, there was not a dry eye in the theater. I mean, my, my stepdad is a really big fan. And the whole time he's saying, like, Gene Roddenberry is, is in the heart of this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that sense, you just, you felt the, I guess, the legacy 
um, in this movie. So I really, really enjoyed that piece, how they really um, paid homage to that. Awesome. And they they started off very Roddenberry-ish because in the original series, there are so many episodes that deal with Little funny creatures, and so that's exactly how they open the movie. That's which awesome. these giant you think are giant monsters, and you're like, What the fuck? And then when they come down, and they're these little muscly fucking creatures. Yeah, I was like, This is so OG series. So, with with one exception to that, I think that was rad. Um, may I, may I share at this point? Go um, ahead, Brian. I agree with you, actually. I thought it was great. I'm not a Trekkie like Eric is, I have respect for the Trek series and I understand the rules of that world and I think this one was tremendously much more respectful mm. to the rules of that world and what Roddenberry's uh, mindset was with this movie versus the previous ones. Uh, that being said, two, two, I only had two small problems with the movie. Uh, one was actually those little cute little hedgehog characters. They were fun and they were definitely great but one of Roddenberry's rules for any of the aliens in the Star Trek universe is that they have to be Played by actual people in makeup, and you actually they have Ugh. to be humanoid-ish enough where like you can they have eyes and noses and mouth and stuff. And I they, they had that, Brian. but mm. they are they were all computer generated. Okay, oh. Brian. Then what were the tribbles then? Yeah, were those all played by people? No, <laughs> no. But the tribbles is is they aren't actual like any sentient alien. Sentient, I should say any yeah. sentient alien, and the tribbles are not sentient. Okay. Has to have some human like features, and this, okay. these characters had that, but they were done as completely computerized. That's um, another thing, though, is if you look at all the Star Trek, you're like, why does every alien only have different hands and head and then just, like, a human body? Well, it, go, it goes back is to... Is that so they could all fuck? No, it goes, what... <laughs> it, it goes back to Roddenberry's vision of how he saw, you know, extra, extraterrestrial life. But, yeah. again, that's that's a nitpicky They weren't remark. a main, main plot yeah. point, though, were they? Was no, saying they, that, like, well, yeah. they were the opening and they established the, the weapon. That, no, oh, the, um, but, I mean, they're the intrusion to the stasis. But aside from that... Mm. They're not critical to the movie. But what I will say, one thing that I didn't get, and I didn't go to the bathroom during the movie. So I was there the whole time, and maybe I just missed it. But, you know, spoilers, guys. You discovered that Crawl, the main alien from the movie, the main antagonist, isn't actually alien. He actually is a human Starfleet captain. Right. That's um, what I'm saying. I was fascinated A human that. Starfleet captain who, being abandoned on this alien planet for years and years, just grew this very deep resentment towards Starfleet mm-hmm. and toward... Um, unity in general what happened that gave him the ability to become that other alien looking yeah because i know that the energy absorption capabilities made him more human again but what 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 happened with there i missed that it's the techniques that they have that prolong life so he gets prolonged life but he also becomes an alien the things he had on his arms that suck the energy out of people he was using those on other aliens like the ones that he was hanging out with so he eventually turned into that oh, he only got started it. looking more like himself when he started um, sucking humans. using that against the humans got and then he became more and more and human. that ex- and that explains why the um the woman mm-hmm. the the red herring basically of the captain looked like that labia ears yeah. Oh yeah, labia ears. Well, they did, she did actually kind of look like crawl. Just she was yeah, had yeah. thicker skin. Well, that's that's why that's how it like blew it for me that like that I knew that from after I saw crawl, I was I saw the similarity in the ears. I'm like, oh okay, so she's on the bad guy side. Yeah. One of my favorite character <laughs> designs was one of the Starfleet um, crew members where the back of her head opened up. Oh, yeah, that, was that was creepy, cool. but yeah. also really cool. Awesome. That was really face cool. Face hugger Fighting. head. I said. Yeah. Face yeah. hugger head. Yeah, that's why I said, and I was like, ha ah. ha. That was. Sick. Um, it was yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but no, that other chick though, total labia ears. Yeah, and I Definitely. know some people were like, really, Justin Lin, you couldn't do a movie without a motorcycle in it. Oh, Fuck yeah. you. I was but like, no. They explain the shit out of it. 
Exactly. And yeah. it worked. <laughs> and it, it worked. worked. Well, and, and like, awesome. you know, in the first one, you see, you know, Chris Pine or Kirk, you know, rolling up in a, in a motorcycle at one point, too. Which was so, by a the great way, intro. I yeah. also love the callback to Sabotage because mm. he's that's the that's the music he's playing when he does the. Oh, my the God. Free, the fact that Sabotage saved I, them. I, I just love I, I just like, love oh we God. need something loud and distracting. I think I've got just the thing. I got yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he hears it and you see Kirk's face go. Excellent choice. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, to me, I was like actually a little afraid of that, but the way that they did it and the it way they're just like, totally is worked. this classical music? And I'm like, yeah. I, I love that. I, like, I laughed out loud when I heard yeah. that line. Like, this, like they, the way they played it off made it really good. And it kind of harkened back to, I feel like there was, um, God, I feel like there was a scene in one of the, one of the Star Trek Next Generation movies where like, like Picard and Data, or or like singing classical music. Oh yeah, no, so, that was um that was Star Trek Insurrection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like to me that like to me that felt like a nice little nod to like how just how they're you know they don't always take themselves super seriously. Yeah, or like even that, um but... even in wait 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 Insurrection's the one with bad guy from Amadeus with meat curtain face, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, yes. cool. Um, but there's also is the opening to that. Yeah, uh, there's also F. Murray uh, Abraham. You mean? Uh, yes, yeah, F. Murray uh, Abraham. But there was also that re- reference in First Contact where, mm-hmm. um, see, this is, shows you how lack of a Trekkie I am. The guy who basically invents warp drive, he, yeah. he's yeah. into rock music and like he's yeah, he's yeah. introducing the Vulcans to it. And he's like uh, dancing to rock music. I'm like, oh, well, that's yeah. true, yeah. That's so it's, fucking there's awesome. precedence within the Star Trek yeah. universe for this kind because of thing. Because I feel like if there's anything that anybody's going to get hung up on, it's going to be that. Mm-hmm. But um, Anachronisms, I, yeah. Yeah. I loved think? this movie. Yeah. I actually saw it Last night before recording, um, I think we I, we got out of the movie like a midnight. Nice. And it was so good. I left excited. I left mm-hmm. I left pumped. Same. I was like, bring on the next Star Trek TV series. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes. I like it felt so much more satisfying. Um, you know, I understanding like we we talked about it in I think in the last episode, the controversy around um the white con. No, no. Uh, uh, no the, oh, the controversy about having um, same-sex couple, Sulu's character oh, right. be, be gay, be gay, yeah. And I don't, and you know, George Takei having an issue with that because mm-hmm. he's like saying you're not separating the actor from the character and right. stuff. However, I, the way I felt like they did it, it felt so tasteful. It, it made tasteful. it made sense for Sulu to be that person because Chekhov is too young. Kirk's clearly got to screw his way through the universe. Like Spock's got a thing with Aurora. Apparently, apparently, uh, Chekhov does too because he got kicked out of the barracks from the went to the green skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he got some, yeah. but he's he's a young. Yeah, yeah, and like and yeah, Spock and Uhura obviously got their thing. Everybody gets some. Bones has an ex-wife, so the chances are he's not going to go get married again and have a kid. Right. Like there's like it just made sense for Sulu to be like character wise. It made sense for that to happen for mm-hmm. him for him to have a family, and I love the way that it raised the stakes for us caring about what happens yeah. in Yorktown and wanting it to save it because you see Sulu's husband running with their daughter and like so I was like oh god and right? like and I like got so much more invested that being said fuck the the people who designed Yorktown because I got so motion sick when they first showed it I was like oh it was <laughs> fuck the people. That see, was the dopest thing I've seen see, in a long like time creatively. Good, but I could not watch it. You I was seen 3D no, I didn't no, see it in three. It was like Escher's nightmare, is oh. what it was. Yeah. And the other thing, that, the only other thing I had a problem with with Yorktown is uh-huh. that, granted, okay, this is the Kelvin timeline, so they can get away with some stuff. But every other space station in this Trek universe 
has this basis of being this these grounded tubular looking mm-hmm. things that they have simulated gravity yes but they don't have this simulated sunlight or simulated mm-hmm. outdoor walking like city like scape stuff and this had and which I th- said you know what honestly beautiful but if that's if that's a starfleet base where are the other ones like that mm-hmm. why isn't deep space 9 like fucking that mm-hmm. you know and it just felt like they they put the cart before the horse in that regard. Hmm. Um, uh, maybe it's because they didn't have the technology available to create something like that realistically, and that is what that for all not we on know. A TV budget, especially mm. since Simon Pegg did such a good job of trying to really keep true to the to Roddenberry's vision. Maybe mm. that's in some fucking journals or something that we wish we could have done this, but we couldn't at the time. Maybe, yeah. And if there is, and if there is like even in one of the Star Trek like fan or not fan novels, but like extended like universe novels, mm-hmm. please tell me because I would be happy. So to, yeah. Like, so then maybe that. as the person who's not the Trekkie, you should be the one shutting the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Oh snap. I'm oh. kidding, Brian. I love you. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, actually, I want to hear what you thought about the movie, yeah, Sean. Yeah, Sean. I fucking, uh, it was so, I was into it from the beginning. I thought the beginning with those little monsters was hilarious. (laughs) And then I just, I felt like the way that Simon Pegg wrote this movie is that it, he he even tuned in more than, than the first, uh, the 2009 reboot did into, into these characters and how like you, we got to see more. The first one you had to establish the characters and you had to establish how they were all coming together to become a crew, especially considering the new timeline. The second one, people don't want to talk about it. I enjoyed the second one thoroughly, but a lot of people don't like it. That's fine. This one was, you got to see these characters embody those characters perfectly throughout this whole movie. The action was good and well-paced. And and the Yorktown, the, the design of Yorktown blew my fucking mind. I was sitting there going like, Wait, did they spend $400 million on this movie? <laughs> <laughs> like it. Um, I will say one thing they really did appreciate, too, about this movie is that Uhura had a lot more to do. Oh, totally mm-hmm. did. I, and, I thought that, too. And Jayla was an awesome, <gasps> awesome character. Jayla was great. Isn't she great? Who is, what, who, what, I have no idea. She, the actress he, Do you guys remember Kingsman. the chick with the blades oh, on okay. her legs? Yeah, Kingsman. Uh, oh, same chick. She okay. was she awesome. She used to work as a backup dancer from Madonna. So she's actually oh. she's from South America. I forget her name. Um, but she's an up-and-coming action star. Like, this, this girl. She was She was great. Awesome. She was really great. She's fantastic. Um, makeup was so cool. Yeah. All the acting Super was talented. truly... Like on par. I Did agree you with you. Did you guys think that Carl Urban was kind of overdoing it? No, not no. at all. Nah. I, no, I, I, would th- I would say he was more like Bones mm-hmm. in this yeah. one. I feel like DeForest Kelly was overdoing it and Carl Urban matched it. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> I agree with that 100%. Um, uh-huh. I, I, did, I also th- thought it was nice that like, they didn't have to, like, they didn't have to show another gratuitous scene of Kirk like having sex with an alien woman like yep. I'm glad yeah, that they did. didn't or do that or have him walking in on a chick who has her shirt off for no damn reason exactly <laughs> I thought that was great I thought the way they dealt with Ambassador Spock's dying oh, was, was really really so awesome and the, you get to see the crew mm-hmm. from like what I think is Star Trek 5 or Star Trek 6 one of those yeah. movies so was really really awesome the name is Sophia Butella Sophia, Sophia Butella yeah. she was great um, I also I want to I think cap this on saying that Justin Lin who everyone was highly skeptical he could pull this movie off. He pulled it off. Fucking pulled this movie off. Yeah, I pulled the shit out of it. And did and a great job with it. Like, truly, it like, wasn't your just, game was up. Yeah, it wasn't just, like, what I was afraid of was mm. that it was just going to be gratuitous action and spectacle, like, yeah. way so. more than necessary. Because, you know, I was talking to Reed about this, that, like, the because he has never, he's, like, 
have has respect for Star Trek. He like watched some of the TV show of uh, Next Generation. Sure. But he's never seen the original series. He's not that into it. And he's like, these movies like make me love Star Trek. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's because of the spectacle, and I think makes it really easy for people to ingest. But at the same time, the way this one was done, it wasn't like so much spectacle that it was gratuitous. It was just the right amount balanced with the right amount of brains that goes into a Star Trek script. Well said. So, I totally agree. I really I agree that. too. And Brian reminded me when he just said something about Kirk and Spock. Um the something that I think was missing from the older movies, Eric, don't shoot me in the face, uh, was uh, in the in the in the older movies, they there were so many of them, they were constantly focused on the mission and the story was based on what the mission was. And but th- what I love about these newer movies is you get more into the development between these characters, you get more yeah. drama between them, and the 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 whole backstory of Spock, mm-hmm. since older Spock is passed, wants to go back to Vulcan and work and continue his work, but hasn't been able to tell Kirk about it, and Kirk wants to become an admiral and get off of of being on his five year mission and have Spock take over. That having that in your head in the background as all this stuff's happening, I think gives you like this perspective. That makes a lot of the action and a lot of the the furthering of the story more intense. Yeah. And not only that, I will say one more thing too, that and this is something I think my buddy Jeremy would agree with. Um, I love that it became more about a philosophical discussion. Yeah. That the action yeah. was the instrument of like this is about unity versus chaos. Yes. This is about uh, duty versus. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know. Sorry. I'll go British with it. I'll, I'll do liquid you. Duty versus. Uh, personal desire i think Mm -hmm. uh like and the fact that those discussions were being had had in this movie perfect like Mm. you you have redeemed yourself paramount and don't fuck it up roddenberry style and true roddenberry in style absolutely don't fuck it up that's all i'm saying don't fuck it up yeah paramount don't fuck it up the last time i remember you fucking up real bad Speaking that poor little kid fell off drop zone and uh (laughs) and speaking of studios fucking shit up uh, Let's talk about Suicide Squad. I don't want to. Yes. <laughs> okay. Who wants to go first? Because I, I, I'll go first. All right. Okay. I'll go first. Let's preface this with saying that guess what? There is a shitload of people out there. I'm guessing a lot of them are way younger that really fucking enjoy this movie. They really fucking do. Now, saying that. I did not really enjoy this movie that much. I really love the fucking performances. Margot Robbie is one of the best embodiments of a, of a comic character I've seen in a long time. Is Sean. it Robbie or Robbie? Will- I, think, I think it's Robbie. Robbie, buddy. It's Margot Robbie. The Australian broad was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you just pulled a Brian and like totally butchered that name. No, I know, I know, I know. Margot Robbie. Robbie. <laughs> Margot Robbie was one of the best. Margot Robbie was one of the best embodiments of a comic book character I've seen in a long time. Will Smith was on point. Jared Leto, the five fucking minutes we got to see of him, (laughs) I thought were awesome. I enjoy his character. I'd like to see more Joker and Harley Quinn. But I just felt like they fucking hodgepodged a bunch of this story together. From what I understand, the reshoots put in more humor and stuff and, and, and cut out a lot of the darkness. But by cutting out the darkness, they cut out a lot of vital plot points, from what I understand. I was not happy... I was not like so depressed that I wanted to jump off a building and be like, DC can't do anything right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's how I feel, ladies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fucking I, thanks, Sean. I have a fun little 
query for you guys. Brian, you're like DC boner guy. You go last. Do you feel <laughs> do you feel like the opening sequence could have been more successful if it had been switched? That instead of us opening up on going into Bell Rev, that we had instead opened up on watching Amanda Waller go into her dinner meeting and then going into Bell Rev. For some reason, the editing of that opening sequence really just pissed oh, me off. We'll talk it about the editing. The it could have been me. totally done better. And it, it should and have been And how many song cues were there? 12? Well, <laughs> let me know, right? sh- well, let me get to that too. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, that's just one of my my like one little little tidbits because my whole thing is yeah, this movie was a beautiful spectacle, but a total plot hodgepodge that everything was just like a Hungarian clusterfuck maybe. Is yeah, a better way sure, to say it. sure. Um, it that's was an just, insult to Hungary. It was really confusing and really just disorganized, and I felt really bad for Will Smith and Margot Robbie, who I felt had the strongest performances. That their performances were understated by just the disorganization with the plot. Um, and a lot of the stakes were just really confusing and not high enough for me. Like, Sarah, you're talking yeah. about stakes. I don't disagree with you. The stakes were, there were no, there weren't any. Like, yeah. I mean, Amanda Waller, I mean, uh, Octavia Spencer, not Octavia Spencer. Um, Viola Davis. Thank you, You're Viola the Davis. wrong person from the help. Roxy. I know, right? The wrong black lady. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so bad. That's I'm terrible. so bad. That was so bad. I'm sorry. I Hashtag so, when, so, so when Aunt Jemima oh, so was trying to get this team together. <laughs> it just, as soon as she, she lost her power i think at the one point when um god when was it it was when she had to pick up her, a gun herself and try to defend herself and i just i pitied her and i didn't I think want to have point. to do that like wait when she had to defend herself or when she just decided to off those people because no when she defended herself the oh, okay. offing was really fucking cool yeah. <laughs> like that yeah. was intense no or but she's it like, was like ah they didn't have clearance ah uh, we needed them but ah uh, whatever exactly no that was that was cool but there was a point where you just see her fall from grace so so just not well done. Well, Amanda though. Waller is a very complex character. I'll get to that too. I'd see, I didn't know enough about her though to really care. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sarah. Right. Oh, here's a sigh. Oh, 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 here we go, guys. Here we go. This movie was not Batman versus Superman bad, but it really wasn't great. Fuck you. Sorry. Reflex. Like Tourette's. It was okay. I agree. Intro for the characters was. Uh, probably out of order. Yeah. I was really annoyed that they introduced what was it? It's Slipknot, and, and then, then you kill him. Well, he's also him. the most useless villain in the DC universe. Okay, that's fine. I still had no idea who the fuck this guy was, and then when you just kill him like that, yeah, I was like, okay, like I expected him to get killed, so I wasn't surprised. Yeah, but just no intro at all. There was yeah. no intro, so yeah. I felt like you know, again, I wasn't caught off guard. Yeah. You know, um, you didn't care enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I was confused on what the fuck the conflict was going to be. I know, right? Okay. (laughs) I I got a lot to say, Roxy. Go! (laughs) Um, You have 30 seconds. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I felt like the the conflict was confusing. I was expecting there to be some sort of conflict with the Joker because of how much we did see him. Mm -hmm. In the trailers. Yeah, and well, just actually even in this movie, I was expecting it to step up and have something to do with him. Sure. Sure. And then his role ended up being completely and utterly useless. And I was like, well, I never, I didn't actually need to even see him except for Margaret uh, or Harley Quinn's introduction. Mm. I didn't need to see him. I wanted more of his scenes cut, frankly. And mm. it's not that I didn't like Jared Leto's performance. It was just that I felt like it was so unnecessary to the plot um, because it's like she goes off and then she comes back. Like yeah. it was just, it was not necessary. Um, and then I also felt like I I know Enchantress is a bigger character, me being not a DC 
fan. I don't know enough about her, and I wanted to know more about her. Um, and you so, wanted to know more about her relationship. Right? Yeah, and I want. They cut a lot of that out. They well, cut a lot Sean, of that out. That's I'll get been to that. Confirmed. Oh. Sean, I'll, I'll get to that. And then I felt like a lot of um, extra. I don't know. I just I didn't feel like the stakes were high enough. I agree with you. There was it just felt a little too much like, oh, we're going through a video game and have to kill a bunch of henchmen before we get to the big boss. Exactly. And and I and again, yes, Harley Quinn was great. Yes, Deadshot was great. Uh, The lines, the script was so bad, you guys (laughs) like like Diablo's lines were so bad. They were. Well, yeah. Killer Croc. Killer Rock was a one-note fucking like, stereotype. Like, what was he? Exactly. He was a total stereotype. I want B-E-T, yeah. motherfucker. Like, fucking, <laughs> fucking Boomerang didn't need to be there. Like, nope. there was so, like, it was so uneven yeah. as far as screen time and quality of the characters on this team that you don't give a shit. I'm like, what makes Avengers work is you give a shit about every single person on that team because yes. they are a team. This is like yes. the Deadshot and Harley Quinn yeah. Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. So now that before Sarah has a stroke, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> jump in here. So let me preface this by saying everyone knows. I think at this point, preface I'm the DC. Preface. preface. We are so bad at English today, you guys. <laughs> the DC apologize. You say potato. I say potato. Okay. Motherfucker. Do you I say so, douchebag. I uh exactly. Um, I'm the DC apologist. I, I feel because like right. we had to defend Batman v Superman. We I've had to defend Man of Steel. Um. And this movie, I can't defend all of it. Here's what I will say. Uh, I agree with you guys about Harley Quinn. You really can't do Harley Quinn without the Joker. I So he did need to be there for at least the purpose of introducing him to, to this universe because they're going to put the Joker in another movie later on. Uh, I think, to me, this movie was like watching a Fast and the Furious film, but with DC characters. Kind of. And going into that... I was like, okay, so it's v- v- plot heavy, not very well developed characters yet. To me, it was like we're looking at a graphic novel, not like what Sean said about Batman v Superman, where the structure is weird. It's kind of like you throw in these characters who, if you're a DC fan, okay, you know who these characters are, but if you're not a DC fan, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. That's a valid criticism. I'm not going to defend that at all. I'm just explaining it a little more. I agree with you. Will Smith was awesome as Deadshot. He nailed it. Uh, Margot Robbie. Awesome as Harley Quinn. From what we did see of the Joker, I actually did enjoy the Joker. Um, he was a bit of a pimp, but, um, you know, it was whatever. It's the, their own take on you it. You say it. that like it's bad. Uh, <laughs> um, so a couple things. One, you said about Amanda Waller. So Amanda Waller is this very complex character who she is very Machiavellian. She will do what it takes to get the job done. Um, and she will sometimes, you know, compromise her own morals to to do that um but that's why the government likes her she gets the job done she almost seemed amoral in this movie and actually i liked her character Mm -hmm. i liked her fall from grace because it felt appropriate to me yeah so and she's clearly going to be in other dc films i guarantee you she's going to have a part in justice league Mm -hmm. um because basically justice league as you find out in the credits bruce wayne is like this is his response saying okay well you you government couldn't do it leave it to me cameo was pretty cool yeah Yeah. i thought the flash cameo was awesome that's another reason why captain boomerang was given somewhat of a of a purpose Mm -hmm. there but sure um i think mostly he was just yeah comic relief what we've what we've learned recently is that what we've been saying is that our criticism of dc has been that they needed a kevin feige which they had Jeff Johns, who's been doing this from the beginning, but 
Marvel has been doing its own thing. Like Disney has bought the studio, but for the most part, they're like, okay, just, you're you're printing money at this point. Just make your own fucking movies, and we'll 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 reap the benefit. D- Disney trusts Marvel. Exactly. Warner Brothers doesn't have faith in any of their properties, and this is this is something they do. They're notorious for. They are notorious for reprocessing films, for editing films over again. Even if you are the if you are the the guaranteed writer, like we love your script, they're going to bring on a director. Cool, cool. You, we're going to let you go now because the director wants to bring on, on their own writer, and they want yep. to do some tweaks to it. And they're, they're always about this. They're constantly reprocessing, and they say it's the filmmaking process. It's just their process. Well, your process fucking sucks now yep. because yep. your process is ruining. Movies that were good. David Ayer, we've seen from other films. He knows how to write a fucking movie, and he knows how to direct a motherfucking movie too. He wrote and directed this movie, and it, it just—it is so clearly a movie. When you look at it, I enjoyed it, but I could tell it was heavily, heavily interfered with. The editing yes. was heavily choppy. I'm gonna blame that on probably the second or third editor they brought in to make the movie more marketable. Ugh. I hated the million and a half sound cues, the overuse of soundtrack. The score for the movie was great. I wanted more of that, but they, they needlessly going through Billboard's top 100 mm. from like the last 20 fucking years <laughs> was completely unnecessary. Well, it was just a rip off of Deadpool. Trying to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Trying to be Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy. Yeah. Exactly. Well, was... Deadpool did the same thing too. Mm, but the, Deadpool was doing it because they it was only used two songs. Yeah. 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 And so all those things being said, I just think that, yes, there is a disconnect between studios and filmmakers and also, and honestly, moviegoers. And it's, the gap is increasing when it comes to these bigger properties. But on top of that, um, it's just they need to let DC do its work. If you look at DC's rogues gallery of, of villains and if their pantheon of heroes, you've got $5 billion waiting to be made. Yes. You've, got, you've got a guy who has written some of the best comic books in both DC and mm-hmm. Marvel running DC films now. You've got Warner Brothers who basically have a ton of money. Give them the money, give them the resources, and then step the fuck back and yes. let them and do their job. Yes, and why should they do that, Brian? Why should, should you do that? Because the last time they stepped the fuck back in the last 20 years and let a writer have complete control over what ended up on the screen at the end was the goddamn Harry Potter movies, and they were all fucking amazing. And yes. they made a shitload of money. They couldn't do that with this because these comic book properties and stuff, the writers of them and all that, didn't have as much power as J.K. Rowling did. You need to fucking learn from what worked before, what worked with the Harry Potter movies, and stay the fuck out of our goddamn DC business! <laughs> and it probably helps if you don't, you know, hire a company that edits movie trailers to, to edit, edit the your movie. movie. Wow. Oh, this gets me to a whole other thing. Movie trailers are like heroin, okay? Mm-hmm, they're really good. <laughs> we all as fanboys and fangirls crave the trailers. Yeah. We need them because we just want to see any piece of it. But guess what? It's just like heroin. When you're really craving something and you get it, sometimes it's awesome and it ends up working for the movie. Sometimes it kills you. And I felt like in this case, it <laughs> killed itself and killed us. No, it's true. We totally, it was yeah. total editing OD is what it was. Yeah. Um, yes. No, I agree with that completely. And so basically... If anybody who, like anybody listens to WB, works at WB is listening to this podcast, but if you work Hi. at WB and you want to pass this on, first of all, none of us here are anti-Hollywood. We just want you to do better. We yeah. really do. And I mean, me being a struggling actor, like, I'm really not anti-Hollywood because fucking you give me work. And like, I can't actually like honestly berate any single person and say they are terrible people. But I, what I can say is that 
Fucking do your job better. Oh Serious, this segment was paid well, for by the committee to get Brian acting work. Yeah, Brian, <laughs> that was a low-key self-promotion. Well, like, and, at the same, awesome. and at the same time, though, you know, there's uh, there's something that we do have to understand that we have as as consumers of media as we feel like they somehow have some sort of obligation to make us all happy. Um, and to a certain extent, the big studio blockbusters absolutely do have an obligation to make us happy this Mm -hmm. movie should have made us happy just because that is what they want to do they want to entertain the masses and the masses are like well stop fucking it up you're doing a terrible job Mm -hmm. um and the rumors are unfortunately that wonder Wonder woman isn't going to be much better solid first trailer but they're saying that they've they've got another mess on their hands i hope it's not true because that movie you can't fuck that up if you do you're going to fuck up female superhero movies for Forever. 20 years. And we're just because, for Captain Marvel. Well, no, and they'll fuck up this well, whole DC timeline if they fuck that one up. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if you look at it, like, what was I looking at? Somebody was doing, a like, an actual comparison of, like, bad female superhero movies versus bad male superhero movies. Mm. And there have been far more terrible male superhero movies. That, like, you know, you look at Green Lantern and all those things, Phantom, shit like that. Mm. Like, terrible, terrible movies. Yes. And and so I'm hoping upon hope that they don't just sit there and go, well, we can never make another female-led superhero movie because clearly... Well, they did it once, yeah. and it was Supergirl, and it was an abortion. Then there was Catwoman. I think, like luckily, though, with Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, we'll have better luck. Which was, like, the best news And the other thing, but, really. the, but on that same token, flip the side here, stop fucking comparing DC to Marvel, yeah. movie critics. It is not Marvel. It is not going to be Marvel. So stop fucking saying it's not good enough because it's not Marvel. You are douchebags. Go fuck I yourselves. Think, I don't think that's what people are saying. I think that they're saying that the quality of filmmaking is not where Marvel is right now. They're not comparing yeah. the storylines. They're not comparing the characters. And when you have Warner Brothers obviously pandering to a crowd that like because uh, the, you said that you hated that they compared it to Guardians of the Galaxy but Guardians of the Galaxy was a movie where you put all these characters together that nobody had ever heard of and you have to introduce them and you have to make people care about them and you have a badass soundtrack it seems like they failed miserably at trying to pander to that exact audience by making Suicide Squad too much like it in the very beginning but a villain version and mm. it's also i mean the, it's the same audience yeah. Yes. So there, there is going to be a little bit of comparison just because it is the same audience who's going to see it. Fine. <laughs> you are douchebags. Go fuck yourselves. Not you guys. <laughs> you sound like me now. Brian's still mad. The circle no, is yeah. complete. No, no. Look, I, I get it. I get it. And just the same way that there's lots of parallels between DC and Marvel. But that being said, they have set a tone with the DC films that is not Marvel. So when that... And that's, that, that is now clearly established. So that being said... The, your argument is no longer valid when you when you start tr- when you keep comparing Marvel to DC because the gauntlet's already been thrown. Mm-hmm. You have to let go of it and just say, okay, judge it on its own merits now. Well, yeah, and I and I think and the, their own merits suck right now. And they do. Thank you. They do. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, but stop with that inane argument. That's all I'm saying. Sorry. He is getting really heated. I think it's time that we go to listener feedback. Listener feedback. Yeah. So we've got one email from Jared that we want to read. Hi, Jared. Hi. 
So it says, uh, this is from Jared, and the subject is degrees of separation. And he says, greetings, nerds. I just listened to the beginning of your podcast on archetypes, where you attempted to, and succeeded in finding the link between Jimmy Stewart and Samuel L. Jackson. FYI, there is a website slash app called The Oracle of Bacon, which will do the hard stuff for you. Although using it wasn't as fun as listening to the four of you work elves way through the problem, it did find the link in just two steps. Hint, James Cagney. Keep it nerdy, Jared. Yeah, see, that's cheating, and we don't <laughs> cheat here. Yeah, so that's yeah. fun for, like, maybe for verification purposes. Mm-hmm. Yes. However, we, yeah. We won't do yeah. it. The like, fun the, is the journey. It's yes. not... The fun is figuring it out and the satisfaction afterwards, not just knowing it. Mm-hmm. Which exactly. even then, I mean, Sean, you you texted us all afterwards when you were editing the episode, and you're like, "God damn it, why didn't we use Samuel?" Like, there was, like, yeah. using Samuel L. Jackson in Marvel movies, and, like, we yep. totally... Oversaw that whole thing, like yeah. we like missed it. <laughs> so yep. how do funny... we miss that he's in every fucking Marvel movie for like I... eight years? I don't know because the connection with uh, James Cagney and uh, Samuel L. Jackson is actually through a movie from 1981 called Ragtime, oh. where Samuel L. Jackson had a small oh. uh, small part in it. Wow, oh, interesting. That's yeah. a deep cut. Um, we also got one. We have not heard this yet. Surprise, surprise, but it's a, it's a voicemail from Benjamin, who wants to share with us this. Hey, guys, it's Ben. I just wanted to offer a little bit of feedback on the last episode. I actually really enjoyed it. Hey, stop it. No. Hey, guys, this is Alan. I just wanted to check in real quick. Brian was covering for me. It was real nice of him, but he, he didn't get into a Twitter war by himself. It was... It was on my account. It was on my account. I wasn't. It wasn't me either, though. You got to understand that I don't have actual fingers. But anyway, I was on the run with Sinead O'Connor. You may have seen that she miss, went missing recently. Well, she was with me, and we were at a free-range tofu and okra farm, and we were watching the little tofu and okra run around on their tiny little legs. And I thought that was adorable. <laughs> Sinead said they're not supposed to have legs, and I said, "Well, it's cool and unusual. Let's cut them off." Anyway. So she took my old iPhone 3, because I don't trust the new operating system. I don't care if Brian's an iPhone fanboy. It's intrusive to your property, and I know about being intrusive. Anyway, she took it, and she started a war with Brian because she's Nate O'Connor, and the only thing she knows how to do is be combative and shave her head. Anyway, you guys have a nice day. Damn it. All right, well, now my time's up. Have a nice day, guys. Guys, I think we now know how Alan died. I think he died of syphilis. Oh my really? I, it, no, it sounded more like Alan had a quadruple Americano at the fucking coffee shop. <laughs> oh my god, Speaking that was heroin. Funny. <laughs> um, I like the free range okra. Yeah, free range okra, the free range tofu, just running around. Like um, cocaine instead of heroin. But anyway. that was that was great. Thank you, Benjamin. That was great. Uh, hey, yeah, Sarah. Yeah. Why don't you tell our listeners how you can be a feedbacker? A be be a feedbacker. Be a feedbacker because we appreciate the feedback. Oh, Feed my up. back. That's true. Uh, yeah, you guys could um, send us messages via bees. Um, <laughs> bees. Wait a second. Wait a second. How are the bees? Send, uh, will the bees form the letters in the sky, yes. like in the air? Yes. Bee writing. Oh, okay. Yes. Bee writing. Just like sky writing, but bee with writing. swarms of bees. The new swarms of bees. <laughs> No, and you, do not send yellow jackets. Those fuckers bite. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, really what I'm trying to do is get people to invest more in bees because we really need them and they're dying off. So, you know, there's that. But it's also a very efficient method of transporting messages um, as long as you can command them. Duh. Uh, but you get more. <laughs> Duh. But if you want more 
practical approach, uh, you could go to nerdonomy.com and click that talk to us button, or you can hit us up on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Um, if you happen to be going to our website, you can also maybe click around on that merch button, uh, buy a t-shirt or two, um, and uh, or click that donate button. See, what we're trying to do right now is we would actually love to buy a new computer, uh, but we need the funds to do it. So if you guys are feeling so generous, we'd really, really appreciate that. We want to keep delivering good content to you. Um, you can also give us a review on iTunes, spread the word of nerd like a bird turd and all that good shit. Yeah, also, um, I don't know if some of our longtime listeners may remember that we were plugging a game, a Kickstarter for a game called Lost Woods. Well, the same makers of that game, Poppy Jasper Games, um, you know, uh, this is actually Jill's boyfriend, Jill being the one who gave us the <laughs> all the fodder for that amazing episode Such that we did about archetypes. Good fodder. Yeah. Um, well, they have made a new game called Nomi. It's really fun. It's just a card game, but you can play and it's super portable. You can play it in line um, while you're waiting for a midnight movie or whatever. It's really good entertainment. It's basically you're trading gnomes and mushrooms and basically trying to knock people out of the game. And it's super duper fun. Um, I encourage you guys to go to Kickstarter, look up Nomi, G-N-O-M-I, um, and go ahead and give them all your money. It's totally worth it. I promise you. So, yes, Nomi, Nomi, Nomi. Support them. Yes, indeed. And, guys, that Kickstarter pa- campaign will end September on 16th. 16th. So, you guys from today have a little more than two weeks to go out there and you know, give them a little bit of money and help get this back game the produced. Shit out of it. <laughs> Indeed. We like back, to support back, our back nerds. Back it up. Yep. Uh, yeah, donate to them before you donate to us. I mean, we're going to keep doing this shit, but that shit won't happen unless you give them some money. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Or and give us a little bit of both, maybe five bucks yeah, that way, five bucks that way. Either way. Either yeah. way. Um, either, but I will tell you that I, I have played Nomi. It was a blast to play, just like Lost Woods was a blast to play. Nice. So really, really encourage you guys to check it out. Fan. Fantastic. Thank you, Sarah. Okay. I'm excited about it. I don't plug products that I don't believe in. No, she there doesn't. There you go. And with that, nerds, it is that time. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Bye. See ya. Peace. Bye. And roll credits. Famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. Seriously, I'm just looking for a sensible ratio of wontons to broth. This is just madness. <laughs> <laughs>